0: Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. You know, when we were worshiping that last little bit, I just saw a picture of this, like, room that was full of uh, cobwebs and just these, like, those gross strings that were just kind of crisscrossed over the whole thing. And it was like this massive blower came in and just started blasting it, and they just like separated, and there's this light on the other side of the room as it happened. And I believe today that that's prophetically what God is doing, that there is a clearing away of some of the clutter that has been in your minds, some of the things that we've been dealing with, and that is a picture of our minds. And one of the things that I feel... um, Really strongly, as we're going into this new season, is that there's a lot of shifting going on. There's a lot of positioning and placement. There's a lot of decisions being made. There's a lot of, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if this is the right thing for me. I don't know if I should go there, whatever. And what has come with that season of kind of navigating, I'm feeling cold, I'm kind of, but I'm not sure if that's just me or whatever, is that there's been this cloud of lies that has landed in people's minds. And the, the accuser of the brethren looks for every opportunity to plant a little deposit of who do you think you are. He loves to plant that, but the word tells us, Jesus said, you know, that he is literally the father of lies. He said, "He said, your father, the devil." He talks about this thing that this earthly realm has this uh, source that is of the enemy, and the enemy is the father of lies, the accuser of the brethren. So, if you've been feeling in your mind lately, well, that'd be nice. But I can't do this. I'm not qualified for that. I screwed up here. I don't know. You know, I don't know if that's even possible. That seems like it's a pipe dream. You know, nobody's going to come into agreement with that. Who do I think I am? And the, the Lord today wants to clarify some of the stuff that he is saying. And some of you straight up, there's gonna be some decisions that you need to make. And I believe even this afternoon, you've been, you've been hanging on so long waiting to make the official decision that you are almost missing deadlines. And I don't know who that's for, but you are like, oh, the deadline is, and whatever it's, it's you have mucked around So long that you have almost missed the opportunity. Some of you this afternoon need to go home this afternoon and pull the trigger. Do the thing that God is calling you to do. Send the email. Send the announcement. Make the phone call. Do the thing. Decide to do it. And uh, if that's you, you're like, oh man, I probably should have missed church today. (laughs) Just take authority over the fear and hit send. Do the thing. But our message today is called listen up listen up. And uh, this is a phrase that I remember hearing like all the time in school. I remember like sporting events or whatever. The coach would come in. He's like, okay, listen up, everybody, which generally means there's something to be said that's going to affect me, right? If they say, listen up, it means there's something that's going to affect my life in some way. I need to know something. And if I don't listen up, I'm going to miss the bus or I'm going to miss, you know, where the water bottles are. or I'm going to miss what's going on. So I need to listen up, When it comes to the things of God, we're literally talking about listening up. The word tells us to set our mind on things above. Listening on the horizontal level doesn't get us very far except confused and more confused and more and more confused. We can find so many opinions and so many thoughts, but when we listen up, when we set our mind on things above, there is clarity there. There is precision there. And sometimes you have that revelation from God, and then you come down here, and you start to think about it, and it gets all, oh, what was I thinking? I was talking to somebody the other day who, who literally said, you know, when I'm in the anointing, it sounds good. And then when I step out, it you know, feels not so good. Then get back up. Get back into that place. Listen up. Listen from that perspective and and acknowledge what it is that God is trying to say to you. And I'm just telling you, I just, I know that he, God is on the move and he is moving us with him, but we have to be willing to get out of the ditch. Some of us have been, uh, we slipped into a place, you know, maybe you're watching online. You haven't been back in a church building in a couple of years, please come. Please come. You are missed. You are needed. You are part of this. Maybe you, you drifted into, you know, a habit. You thought some, somewhere along the line that it would be okay for you to get into this because it's not actually sin. It's just you find it comfortable. I, I have seen people who have started off with, you know, I, I do a little gaming on the side, just like playing video games or whatever, just to clear my head. And before you know it, they're addicted, and it's six, seven hours a day. Six, seven hours a day when the only thing you actually own is the time that God gave you. You know, sometimes it's simple things, sometimes it's a, a health decision, sometimes it's a relational decision, whatever it is. But sometimes we've drifted into the place where now it has become a rut that we don't know how to get out of. And I believe there's an anointing in this hour to step up. We have to think up and we're gonna have to decide. And I guarantee you, the moment you decide and say, this is gonna be my new plan, you're gonna sit on that for like three minutes and then you're gonna be like, oh, what was I thinking? I can't do that. That's not going to work. People are going to be. You have to decide to stay in that place. This is, this is a vital moment in church history. This is a vital moment in the move of God across our nation and globally. We can see that the advances of the kingdom of darkness are on every front. It is like so obvious, no matter what sphere you look in, that there's no pullback on that side. And so it is our time to rise up and be who God has called us to be. Take our place, act like who he says we are. And this takes courage, this takes strength, this takes being in him and knowing that he is in us and whatever he's called us to do, he will equip it, he will anoint it, he will supply it. I know, I can feel it right now, there's just, there's some that you're like, oh man, okay, okay, we're gonna have to do this. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2 says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom he made the worlds. So Jesus is the demonstration of the tone, the, the actual sound of the voice of God through his son, by his son, that bracelet that we all used to wear, That what would Jesus do? literally is an accurate way of training ourselves to hear his voice. What does Jesus say about this sort of situation? What would Jesus say to me in this situation? Do you know what he would never say? What we never see Jesus say um, was like, wow, Peter, I know I called you. Dude, like where is your faith? Honestly, and if your mouth could stop talking for 30 seconds. Maybe you'd hear what I'm trying to say. But Peter, you just always have to put in your two cents worth. So we were going to go with you, but no, we're not. We're not going to do that. We're going to go a different direction. Jesus never says that. Jesus never says, you screwed up, and so you're out. Jesus never says, you know, Mary Magdalene. He's never like, you know what, I I love you. I can forgive you. But honestly, (sighs) lot of water under the bridge there so we're gonna you know we're gonna have to put you in more of a hidden position so that nobody you know like I love you but they're probably not gonna understand kind of the no Jesus never said well I can't eat at that place I can't be around those people because it's gonna offend some and people you know we don't we don't really we don't really want to upset the Pharisees right now no Jesus was like it's on I'm coming to your house for supper. Let's do this. Jesus was the one who called people out into who God says they are, regardless of the current circumstances. Are you with me? That nudge that you feel on the inside, who God says you are, that doesn't change dependent on who you are right now, on on how things have been, on where you come from. And so I believe this is this blowing of the lies that needs to go. Some of the stuff that God is calling out in you will not come forward if we don't trust his voice in us, if we don't trust what he's calling and saying towards us. Proverbs 3, 5, we talked about this last week, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. So often there is a gap between my understanding and trusting what he's saying. Sometimes there's this space in between, and that's the wrestling point. And we have to know a few things. I'm just gonna rapid fire down a list. We have to know that God loves us. John 3:16. We have to know that he created all things, including us. Colossians 1 16. We need to know that he sees us and knows us. Psalms thirty three thirteen 13 says the Lord looks from heaven and sees all the sons of men. It's not that he's like shocked. It's not like well Lord thank you for calling me but do you have any idea who I really am? No he yeah fully aware of who you are. We need to know that he has our best interest in mind. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans that I have for you, the thoughts I think towards you. We need to know that he sees the end from the beginning. He already knows the end game when I don't. So if I don't know, if the next you know, couple of weeks, months, years look totally uncontrollable, if he's calling me towards something, he knows what the end game is. And I can trust him with that. I can trust that he's leading me towards what he sees at the end. We need to know that he is faithful to complete what he begins in us. Philippians 1.6. He's faithful. I might be an epic screw-up, but he's faithful. Jesus is never having a bad day. And we need to know that he can and does work all things together for good for us if we love him, we're called according to his purposes. That's Romans eight twenty eight. We need to know the goodness of God. And sometimes when we question the gap between our understanding and his calling, it's these things. Maybe I don't really trust that he loves me. Maybe I don't really trust that he, he gets the situation. Maybe I don't really trust that, that he can work things together for good. Maybe I don't really trust that he's got the long game implant. Maybe there's some little glitch on the inside. Maybe that leaves room for shame, doubt, unbelief, past pains, things to rise up and hook me to the past when God's calling me to the future, right? So we have to come into that place where I'm going to actually consciously decide to trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not on my own understanding, and literally, I'm going to trust you, God. And if my mind tells me something that is contrary to what your word says about me, I'm going to have to tell my own head to come into alignment. I'm going to have to take that thought captive and bring it to obedience to the knowledge of Christ. I'm going to have to decide. And sometimes you've got to say it out loud. Sometimes you've got to say, no, that's not true. Jesus says this so that your mind can hear from something that's being spoken, what the word of God says over you. I am telling you, when we get into this, when we, when we decide to listen up, the clarity comes. There is a walk through into the fullness of God that he's calling us into in this season. I do not believe that any of us have 10 years to get our junk together. It's a now yes. It's a now thank you, Lord. It's a now obedience. And so this thing that God's calling us into, I want to just talk about this, the the words that God speaks to us. We've been talking about the voice of God. This listen up, this listening to the higher voice, the voice that sees differently, has a few guidelines to it, has a few things that are good for us to know. And we're going to go through these. Number one, his voice carries purpose. Number two, his voice can be personal. Number three, his voice is prophetic. Number four, his voice is peaceful. And we're going to come back into these one by one. And I want you to recognize the voice of God. But we're going to pick it out from a passage of scripture in Acts 9. I rarely sit in one chunk, but I've been meditating on this all week. The Lord just so highlighted it to me. And I love when God calls up something from the book of Acts because I feel like that's the church that we're supposed to be. Come on. We are not meant to be the lukewarm church. We are not meant to be the, you know, the, we go through the list of the problems in the churches in Revelation that we see prophesied back. But the, the church of the book of Acts was the closest to what God's intention was. It was, they were living in that revival fire. They were living in that, that walk with God in every day. They fully committed themselves to his purposes. And it doesn't mean that they all sat in church 24-7. It means that he infused what it was that they were called to do, wherever in society. But we see some key things that happen, and and this is one of the ones that is like mind-blowing. So Acts chapter 9, and we're going to read straight through from verse 1 down to 25. So in the New King James, we'll read the whole thing, and then we'll pick it apart a bit. And it says, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, they were believers, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And he journeyed and he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. So trembling and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, arise and go to the city, uh, into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. And he was three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And so the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. And then Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me to you that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. And so when he he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus immediately he preached christ the christ in the synagogues that he is the son of god then all who heard were amazed and said is this not the one who destroyed those who called on this name in jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests but saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the jews who dwelt in damascus proving that this jesus is the christ now, after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to him. But the plot became known to Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by the night and let him down through the, uh, through the wall in a large basket. This story is mind-blowing. Honestly, I'm very aware, I, I think I've you know, thought the most about this conversion you know, Saul to pull this crossover from I'm doing one thing, found out I'm off the rails, and God's putting me on this path. What I've never really considered that much is the process that Ananias must have gone through. There are two sides to this thing, right? There's the one who's like, wow, I've had this encounter with Jesus, and my life is never going to be the same. And then Ananias gets this word from God, and he's like, He, what? I mean, he actually has this word from God... God in a vision calls his name. Some of us are like, Jesus, I just want to hear what my name sounds like on your lips. Like, I want to to hear you call my name. Call your name and then tell you to do something that you're like, what? And he actually talks back to God. He's like... You may not be aware of the situation that we're dealing with here. Like I'm, you know, it's a very interesting process that he's going through here. And at the very end of this story, we see that the rest of the disciples of the area come on board with it and they actually partner with Paul, which is this crazy thing. So number one, when his voice comes, when you, when God's speaking to you, it comes with a purpose, It comes with a purpose. God is never just talking to you just because. Like, he's never just like, wow, it's a green tree, hey? What do you think of the waves on the lake today? Like, God's just never needing to hear his own voice, right? He speaks with purpose, even if it's just he tells you that I love you the purpose is, so receive the love and walk out of it. If he says, I forgive you, the purpose is receive the forgiveness and walk from that place. If he says you need to forgive that person, the purpose is, I want you to choose to forgive that person and walk out of that bondage. He tells you to sow a seed, give something to somebody, take care of somebody. The purpose is that God has a plan for you and the person that you're sowing into. There's something of his will that's connected to this instruction. So those who are like, God never talks to me. Are you ready for an instruction? He won't just talk just to hear himself talk. That sounds harsh, but honestly, we all know people who do talk and like the sound of their own voice. And we all don't want to be around them. It's like, wow, you, you, you love talking, huh? You, just, you love to just hear yourself talk, but I'm not getting anything out of it. God doesn't do that. God talks with purpose. If you want to hear God, ask him a question. You want to hear God, ask him, what do you want me to know today? What, what do you have? What are the instructions for this day? What is on your heart for me today? What's on your heart for the world today? What's the direction that you, God, I've got my payday today. You know, maybe I never pause and do this, but what is your intention with these finances? I, I am grateful. I thank you for providing for me. Is there any adjustment to my normal spending habits that you want to make? Is there, is there a, like ask him some questions. Show me what you feel about me. Show me how, how you have planned my life to go. Show me the, the purposes. Begin to ask and begin to listen. The purpose is there. And I think it's so interesting because Saul, in the beginning of this, I mean, I love the first three verses. He, he literally goes above and beyond to be a jerk. He literally, he asks for extra letters to go and arrest people. He wasn't even tasked with that. He took it upon himself to be over and above, uptight. Let me pursue these people. Let me go to the, I'm so zealous. Let me find every last one of them. I mean, he's that guy. He has this encounter with Jesus and his answer is not, oh, my bad. Or like, wow, I'm such a failure. I'm totally off. His answer is, catch this. The voice comes to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And and he says, who are you, Lord? Jesus answers, I'm Jesus whom you are persecuting. So he trembled, verse 6, and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? That's his first response. Not, oh my goodness, I'm so screwed up. What do you want me to do? The revelation of the voice of God in your life comes with that. And it's so interesting when you look at this this, uh, word that comes to Ananias, God speaks to him by name, comes into his sleep, speaks, you know, like calls him forward, and he doesn't just come and say, you know, here's the eternal picture, blah, blah, blah. He comes and he says, arise and go. Some of us are like, I never get spiritual dreams. Are you prepared that if you have one, it might come with an instruction? Because if you get that instruction, you're then required to act on it. Like, are we actually wanting God in our seven days a week life? Are we actually, or we, do we really, I want to hear the voice of God. Do you? Because he would be happy. He would love to walk life with us. But when his voice comes, it will come with instructions. It will come with directions. It will come with his, his, his way of seeing and doing things. When God speaks, we have to respond. So lean in when we're talking about the voice of God, lean in for the instruction. Some people, uh, you know, we've been talking a lot as well about reading the word because this is ultimately the instruction of God. Um, some people say, I read it and I really just don't get anything out of it. My way of looking at it, just it's a little tidbit, my way of reading the scripture is I read it, yes, as a historical fact, like this is this is something that has come out from the past. It's people's real life experiences. It's their walk with God. I read it as um, an instruction, you know, spiritual principle that's connected in there. And I also read it as what does that mean to me then? So Jesus healing the, the lepers and the, you know, the 10 lepers and only one comes back and says, thank you and whatever. I don't read that story like, isn't that interesting that Jesus would heal lepers? It's not relevant to me because I don't have leprosy. You know, I don't, I don't read it like that. I don't read it like it's not relevant to me. I read it like Jesus touched those who everybody else discarded. Very rarely did somebody ever come back and acknowledge that he was the one that did it. What that means for me is when I feel the most unlovely, unworthy, un, unable, Jesus reaches out for me, and it's my job to recognize his hand upon my life and pause and say thank you and acknowledge him, and from that place, I walk out the healing. I walk out the love. I walk out the restoration. You know, random stuff. Uh, Jesus turned the water into wine at his mother's request, and it was he was like, woman, that's, you know, it's not my time, whatever. What does that mean to me? I'm not taking that and saying, well, Jesus is totally into alcoholism. Uh, You know, or look at that history. Look, Look at the power his mama had over him. I'm not reading it just from historical fact. It was a historical story. It carries the character and the nature of God. But I read it and go, okay, even if I don't, there we go weird so i read that and i read it like here's how jesus engages the the requests or the we would say it in our timeline the prayers of his people when we desire something when we engage him jesus pays attention heaven pays attention and there's something that when it's along the lines of his nature god will release things but it tells me that prayer is important Jesus didn't just go, oh, there's actually a shortage at the wedding, I'm just going to step in. He waited till somebody asked him, and then he performed the miracle. So I'll, I'll pull on something like that, or I'll pull on the fact that, that Jesus actually loves a celebration. When I'm tempted to think, I'm, you know, I'm spending so much time working on this event or this thing, and, and God just wants me to be sitting there silently in prayer, no, God celebrates life. At the end of every major move of God that we see in the Bible, we see that God calls for a feast. Why? So we can celebrate the good things that he's done. So the celebration is part of God's heart. If I feel guilty for spending time on something, I'm missing the heart of God that's like, yes, celebrate my goodness. Celebrate what I do, right? So that you internalize what it is that's in the word. So number two then, his voice can be personal. And that personal thing, it means that this is not just generic for believers worldwide. It does, but sometimes his voice comes in and it is very specific to me. It's something that is is super clear. So again, uh, verse four, then he fell to the ground and heard the voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Jesus is personal in his engagement with us. He literally knows you by name. He knows everything about you. Have you ever had that thing, you know, where when you've got little kids and and somebody's like, you know, broke a lamp or whatever, you call the kids in, okay, is there anything you want to tell me? You know they broke the lamp. You're waiting to see if they're going to own up to it or not or, you know, whatever's going to happen. It's kind of like that. Like sometimes we think if I stay away from God, I, I won't have to confess what I've been into. God knows it. He wants to help you clean it up. He wants to help deal with this stuff. And so he, he comes in in a very personal way. Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is not working for you to push against me on this one. This is not going to end well for you. He calls Ananias specifically by name. God has instructions for you personally. When you hear, you know, a prophetic word or something and something catches your attention, it is okay To say, God, is this something you are speaking to me? And if you are speaking to me, how do I apply it? What's the instruction that comes with it? What's the move that I'm supposed to make in response to this? I, I think it's vital that we understand that every one of us is, it literally, for God, it's like we're the only person on earth in that part of the relationship, right? He sees everybody, but he sees you. Sometimes you can come and go from a church gathering even. It's like, nobody talked to me. Like, no, nobody talked to me for five weeks. That is terrible church community, and we need to work on that if that happens. But it, sometimes we can, we can feel like because people didn't see me, God doesn't see me. Not true. God always sees you, even if people drop the ball sometimes, right? So we want to make sure that we're, we're seeing his voice as personal, Number three, and this is the big part, his voice is prophetic. His voice is prophetic. So what that means is it's coming from, when he speaks to us, it's coming from his intentions and his purposes. It doesn't just mean that it's something that's down the road. That's part of it. Sometimes there's a word of knowledge or there's instruction that you'll get that it's like this is the direction of your life. This is where you're headed. This is this is something that's down the path. Um, if you've been seeking God for any length of time, you probably have something that you feel in your heart that you have no idea how you'll get there. And it's like, it's, that is a prophetic word from God. There's a nudge on the inside that is, is down the road. There's sometimes things that you are clearly working towards, but often it's abstract. But it's more than that. It is also in the here and now. And so what we talk about is this is, is not just um, foretelling, but it's forthtelling. So forthtelling. I've got a little quote here that I think breaks it down well. And it says it's called foretelling, explaining the present from God's perspective and bringing strength to God's people to overcome the situation and move into his purposes. So let's just pop back that other slide for those that are writing notes, if we could. <laughs> people are like, I got eight words on here. The, explaining the present from God's perspective and bringing strength to God's people like that right there is just like, what on earth is going on, Lord? I don't understand what's happening. You know, the government's doing this and positions are being made and things are, you know, whatever. I don't understand what's happening with my family. I don't understand why this person's acting like this. I don't understand why my employer is acting like this. Okay, you need a prophetic word of God. You need a forth telling from him, a sense that comes from him of his hand is upon it. He sees you. He knows you. He's, he's got a viewpoint that you don't have. And so the final thing then, to overcome the situation and move into his purposes. So when we see it from his perspective, then we can move into his response. We can move into how he would handle the situation. He sees things in a different way. So for those who are wondering, David Peters is a prophet from New Zealand and pretty well known. So it's an indicator of what's on God's mind and his attention or his perspective and his purposes. It's interesting because Paul, we see this thing and it's like, you know, Ananias comes to him and prays for him and it's like it's all happening in the moment. But Paul talks about uh, in Galatians, Galatians 1.15, he says, but it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace. So Paul has this moment where he catches up to God's plan and ties into it, but God has called him from the womb. There are people in your life, it might be even yourself, that you have no idea where you're going. There are people in your life that you're like, they walk like the devil himself. And I don't know if I can live with that much longer. There there are people that you're working with that you're like, oh my gosh, they are possessed for sure, because this, I cannot sit in the desk next to them. You know, you need to ask God's perspective on these people in your life. How do you see them, Lord? Show me who they are in your eyes. When Saul was going in saying, could I get extra tickets to arrest people, please? I'm going to take my holiday time, and I'm going to go to the next town, and I'm going to round up Christians. You know, the truth is, God had already called him from the womb. So he might have been acting like the devil, but he was called. And this moment is the time when God pulls the number, and he's like, okay, about time for you to get on track now that's enough. Let's get focused on what it is you're really called to do, who you're really called to be. We want to interact with people, pray for them, declare over them, speak to them, minister to them from who God says they are, not who they're acting like right now. That's huge. That is huge. Side note, you also need to do that to yourself. Stop the crappy self-talk. I am who God says I am. What is the prophetic word over my life and I refuse to treat myself like how I've been? I'm gonna start talking about myself, treating myself like who God says I am. It doesn't matter what the past is. Who God says you are can change your future. And the more radical it has been, the bigger the testimony you have. So, so what? Move on. Paul was literally a killer. Literally, the word tells us he stood and he held coats while people stoned Stephen to death, and he was assenting to it, he was part of it, and he went out of his way to actually do the wrong thing. But when he came to Christ, he did a full 180 and went the opposite direction, completely in line with who God already said he was. That is huge. The words that come from God, just an extra aside from there, 1 Corinthians 14, 3, it says, but he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. So what it means is that when we hear God's word, even if it is corrective in some nature, it's going to serve this purpose to us. It will be edifying. It will be an exhortation. It will bring comfort. Even if God says, yeah, you got to turn the opposite direction, it it will have that effect. It will bring that level of, of peace on the inside. It will stir us up on the inside. It will feed us. It will edify us. And so we want to look for that. It's, God is never going to be like, wow, you are a scumbag. <laughs> Had no idea you would take it this far. Right? He's not that. He's like, wow, this is not who I made you to be. Let's deal with that. Let me help pull you out of the mud. Let's, let's do that. This is not who you are, right? This is the voice of God. The voice of God is not condemning. It is redemptive. It acknowledges what is there. It's, he's not, God's not in denial. It acknowledges, but he pulls us up and out. This is what he's calling us to. Every one of us in this hour, I believe God is calling us higher than we've even allowed our minds to think that we're supposed to be. I love this verse when, when God's talking to Ananias and he says, uh, you need to go because he's a chosen vessel of mine. Huge. In verse 20 to 25, it says, uh, this is the part when you know, Saul immediately begins to preach. He's out there and, and, and people are like, wow. Like He literally changed overnight and he's preaching. And the, the Jews at the time give him a little bit of time, but the more he increases, the more annoyed with him they get. And so they plan to actually kill him. They plan to go after him. And then again, verse 23, now after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and led him down through the, through the wall in a large basket. I think the key that blows my mind here is then the disciples. It's not that he had an escape. It's the fact that the disciples who knew that not that long ago, he actually came to arrest us, went out of their way to help him. I can see God's hand upon your life. How can I assist you? Isn't that huge? It's the thing that when Ananias comes into the room to meet with uh, Saul, he calls him brother. Verse 17, Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he says, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus appeared to you, who appeared to you on the road came and has sent me to you. Yesterday yesterday we're all on high alert because saul's coming to town to imprison us today i'm calling him brother and ministering love to him y'all some of us we gotta drop the accounting book on people's sins We say Jesus will love you right where you are. He will rescue you. He will heal you. He will restore you. He has a plan for your life. I'm going to need to see three, four years of successful living before I buy in. But Jesus loves you just where you are. That's not going to cut it. Like long term, you, you get saved. You've been living in a walking hell. Let me help you out. This is a prophetic word to all of us. It's not just me. Uh, Cuz maybe I'm, you know, maybe we feel like I'm I'm more um, you know, I'm like a like a white sin Christian person. Like I I mean, I I'm a sinner but like manageable sins that are not really hurting people. Black is black is black is black. Sin is sin is sin is sin. It just is. God is literally black and white on this one. Your sins were this way. Now I wash them, make them white as snow. It's done. We don't do anybody a service by saying, wait until you get yourself cleaned up. And then we'll see what God wants to do with you. We help the purposes of the kingdom when we say, wow, thank you, Lord, for this life that has come to you. I'm going to go into prayer and I'm willing to ask the question of a personal God for a prophetic word that's going to exhort them, that's going to give them peace, that's going to comfort them, that's going to call them up. I'm going to ask you to show me who they are. And I'm going to ask you to help me treat them like who you say they are, not who they've been. And even if that decision was yesterday, I can treat them like that today because I see in the word that it is possible. I believe if Saul had had this encounter with Jesus on the road and Ananias had said, no way. We could be reading a different story. What if he had said, you know what, I'm going to leave him the three days, five days, ten days, three years. So he's blind and hanging up. Let's just leave him there until we see if he's actually really converted. Let's just wait and see. No, the next day, Ananias goes in. And he's like, brother, brother, right? The elder brother syndrome is always waiting for us to partner with it. You know, oh, you think you can just come in and have it all, but I've been slaving away. Yeah, brother. And then the disciples come and help him escape the city at peril to their own lives. Like some of us, our calling is actually not to be the front person, but to assist those who are called to that front position. What if you've been saved 10, 20, 30 years and you're like, I never get my chance to step out into my calling. What if your calling is to help somebody who's supposed to step to the forefront? What if they can't make it without you? What if they can't make it without your support? There are people who are called to ministry who need the people who are called to help babysit their kids. There are people that are called to the mission field that need the people who are called to sow, that are called to financial blessing. There are people who are called to preaching and teaching that, are called, that need the people that are called to help them with the practicalities of the book work and typing and editing and all of that stuff. You know, what, what did you do with your life? Well, I edited Christian books. Great, is that what you're called to do? Yes, then you get to have a stake in heaven when you stand before God and you hear, well done, good and faithful servant. It's, the callings are not always glamorous, but Nanias was vital to Paul's success in that moment. So this is the fourth telling, this is the call. Final thing, and I, I wanna leave you with this. Number four, his voice is peaceful. His voice is peaceful, And I want to add a caveat. This is not to be confused with tranquil. Peaceful and tranquil are not the same thing. Peaceful is a sense of stillness on the inside. It's a sense of well-being. It's a sense of nothing missing, nothing broken. It doesn't mean your head's not going, what am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? But your heart is going, this is good. It's the right move. It's the right move. And we need to make sure that we're following peace. Some scripture verses that go with that, Isaiah 55, 12 says, For you shall, be, you shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. And Colossians three fifteen, and I think this is one of the keys. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, not your mind. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. So I'm seeking the word of God. I'm seeking his direction. I'm I'm seeking his plan. Your mind will say, how are you going to do that? I feel like God's called me to, how's that going to work? How are you going to pay for it? Will they accept you? Is there, you know, is there even an opening? What if they find out what you've done? What if they find out where you've been? What if they find, let the peace of God rule your heart. So your actions are connected to your heart, not your mind. Your actions have to be, okay, I believe God is saying this. I'm going to take some step in the right direction. I'm going I'm to take a move in the right direction. And I don't know what it's maybe even for. I don't know what the plan is. I don't know what the purpose is. You know, I don't know what the long-term goal is. But on the inside, I feel good about this. You shouldn't let that person, you know, move into your house. You you know, you feel to take somebody in and and help parent them or whatever. Oh, what if it messes up your household dynamics? What if this, what if that? If the peace tells you to do it, you follow the peace. You follow that sense on the inside. So I ask people all the time, you know, I feel like God's calling me to this, blah, 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 blah. Well, what's your gut telling you? And by gut, I don't mean like your inner thoughts. I mean, what the sense on the deep side that that's, it's just a, it just feels right. Great. Your mind will catch up. Follow your heart. Follow that sense of the Spirit's leading on your heart. Find, find out what God is saying. Not just follow your soul heart, you know what I mean? Your human heart. Follow the, the part that's connected to God that's been asking the instructions. There's a passage that, uh, to wrap this up, Acts 22, just flip over there. And this is when Paul's explaining the experience. Acts 22. And starting at verse 12, it says, uh, and he's talking about the, the encounter with Jesus, and it says in verse 12, then a certain Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, having a good testimony with all the Jews who dwelt there, came to me, And he stood and he said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at the same hour, I looked up at him. And then he said, The God of our fathers has chosen you, that you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth. For you will be his witness to all men that you have seen and heard. And now, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of Jesus. He tells of his story He tells of the one who came and shared truth with him, who spoke into his life. And he's like, basically, so if it happened for me, it can totally happen for you too. Why are you waiting? This encounter, I believe as God calls us forward, I I, I don't want us to get caught up on, well, I, you know, I don't know if I have any purpose. If you struggle with that, start asking God to see the purposes of the people around you. And how can you bless them in it? How can you help them in it? How can you sow into it? Because in this, Ananias is marked forever in history as being the one who got to see the beginning of Paul's journey. Lots of us talk about, you know, Billy Graham, like what a man of God. The people who were ministering the night that he got saved are the ones who will stand before God and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. The ones who helped him on his beginning journey. Like, yes, he led millions of people to Jesus. But the ones who saw who God had called him to be and helped him along the way share the reward. Right? We are all called to more than what we're living in right now. But the lies have to stop and the voice of God has to be active for us. Let's stand together this morning. I want to pray over you in this. And I just... Uh, I just feel to really address this um, web of lies that has been hovering about. And if we could just finish again, we're going to declare the name of Jesus again. Some of you this morning, there has been such a sense over your own marriage that like, I don't think it's ever coming around. You need to listen for what Jesus says about your spouse, and minister to who God says Can you imagine what it felt like for Ananias to step into brother Saul, right? Can you imagine what those words tasted like on his mouth coming out? Brother Saul. Lord, give us your eyes for our spouses, for our children for our brothers, for our sisters, for our family members. Lord, give us your eyes for who they are. Lord, give us your eyes for our coworkers, for our neighbors, for our extended reach, the people in our spirit. God, help us to see through your eyes. Help us to see who you made them to be. And we know that it's only one encounter away. (laughs) One encounter away. Lord, help us to not get in the way of their encounter with you. Help us to not be the ones that say the stuff and do the things that compromise what you look like in their eyes. But up close and personal, God, we ask you to help us to see ourselves through your eyes. Whoa. that you call us by name, that you know us by name, that there's not a person in this room or a person watching online that you didn't fashion. Your word tells us, I knit you together in your mother's womb. You are fearfully, wonderfully made. We are not the sum total of our mistakes or our past. We are who you say we are. And right now, I just speak a wave of deliverance over this congregation, over every lie of the enemy that has come against you, that has come against your destiny, that has come against who God has said you are. Every word of accusation, every false criticism that has come out against you, we cut that off right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, we bring it to you to deal with. Lord, I thank you that even Jesus said, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. We choose to forgive. We choose to release forgiveness to those who have called us other, other things than what you say we are. And Lord, even over ourselves, the things that we have done, the things that we've chosen to do that are contrary to who you say we are. We ask your forgiveness today, God. And Lord, we thank you that who, who we are is different than what we've done. Lord, we ask your forgiveness. We receive your forgiveness and we step into the identity that you've given us. Set apart from the womb. For what, God? Set apart from the womb. For what? Lord, I pray for each person who's struggling with that, with the idea of identity and purpose and calling. Lord, even if it feels so insignificant, I I only do this. Lord, help them to see purpose in it. Help them to hear your voice in that place. Help them to feel your presence in that assignment. And God, may we be sharp to your voice, to listen to it, to to respond to it, God, that we would understand that it requires action. If we're going to hear from you, we need to respond to you. If we're going to hear from you, God, we need to receive it as an instruction that we embrace that changes our life. Lord, help us to desire, to crave your voice, your word. Lord, whether it's the inner word of the the heart or whether it's what we read in the, the Bible, God, that your word would come alive to us, that it would transform us, that it would motivate us, that it would direct us, God. And Lord, I thank you that we are never more than a forgive me, God, away from radical change. So God, anyone who has even this morning been saying, I've been in this too long. I've done it too many times. Lord, I thank you even today for a radical deliverance in Jesus' name from whatever that thing is, whatever that addiction is, whatever that habit is, God, we just speak a word of deliverance in Jesus' name. God, that every demonic hold of the enemy, anything that has felt like it is, it is has a right to be there, God, I pray first for the person courage to cut it out, do what is necessary, and God, a deliverance from any hold, any tie there in Jesus' name. And we thank you according to your word that who the Son makes free is free indeed. So we declare your freedom. We can declare that I am free from that. I don't do that anymore. I don't live that way anymore. I don't speak like that anymore. Even if we did three hours ago, it is okay to say we don't do it anymore. Lord, I thank you that as we see the the description of Jesus' ministry to the man who was possessed by a legion of demons Your word says that after an encounter with Jesus, he was dressed and of his right mind. In a moment, your presence changes everything. In a moment, Your presence changes everything. And so we declare the name of Jesus over every bondage, over every addiction, over every lie. In Jesus' name, we thank you for freedom. And God, I thank you that we are who you say we are. We step into that with boldness today, God, that I pray a spirit of courage over your people as they go from this place today, Lord, to do what needs to be done, to handle what needs to be handled, to rectify what needs to be rectified, God to make amends, to come into relationship, to say, I'm sorry, God, to live what love looks like on the outside, to be able to, like Ananias did, step into being able to declare who you say we are and those are around us are. And we receive it by faith today, God, even as we sing this, we sing it as a declaration today. And we thank you that the things that were, even prior to this morning, are subject to change as we declare the name of Jesus. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.VictoryGP.com. You can also text to GIVE, just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach. Teach. Mobilize.